Welcome to Pop Culture Retro, which was recently voted the 15th best podcast by the residents of the Golden Years Retirement Community in Boca Raton, Florida. Each show, we'll revisit some of your favorite pop culture memories with insider and outsider perspectives. Now, please help me welcome your hosts, Ike Eisenman and Jonathan Rosen. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Pop Culture Retro. I'm one of your hosts, Jonathan Rosen, along with Ike Eisenman. And today, we are thrilled to welcome the owner of the famed L.A. clothing store, Armani Wells, as well as one of the stars of my all-time favorite film, Back to the Future. Please help us welcome Claudia Wells. Claudia, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I um, Tell me if I make anyone dizzy because of my... <laughs> No, I don't think so. I'm not worried okay, about it. My phone's still, but I'm swinging. It's no, actually, it great. it's calming me down. Yeah, yeah it's calming oh, good. me down. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, well, we've been very excited to have you come on, but let's start at the beginning. You were born in Malaysia. What was your family doing in Malaysia? My parents lived there for two and a half years, um, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, um, mm. or as dad put it the Malayan islands he was he's a parasitologist mm -hmm. um, a researcher of tropical diseases and um, head of the epidemiology department of UC Berkeley and UCSF and um, he was there he was sent there because there was some sort of a parasite that was going in through the bottom of the feet of the tribes people oh. in water and it was killing them off and he was there to figure it out and he figured out that there was a particular type of snail aren't you glad you asked me this yeah <laughs> this is a fascinating i'm yeah. sorry yes we are um it, there's a type of a snail that exudes some sort of a something that kills the parasite that was going up through the feet of the tribes people and killing them so oh. my dad bunch of those particular snails and put it in the water and saved the whole day because he's Harrison Ford of the epidemiology world. Wow. Oh my God. And I'm his <laughs> And what, what made them decide to move back to the States when they did? <clears throat> um, my mom had me and as soon as I was old enough to travel, which was like six, if you ask my mom, it was six weeks. If you ask my dad, it was six months. So we're not quite sure. Um, and they went back to San Francisco where they had lived prior to that. I mean, they lived in Cairo. Um, oh, wow. That's where my brother was born. So my dad was just, he's literally like um, one of the greatest parasitologists on the planet. Incredible. Googled him. And in 1972, because he's too modest to tell me this stuff, he was head of epidemiology for the World Health Organization. Oh my God. Wow. Right? You got a lot He's to live up to. <laughs> well, jumping ahead to your career, like right away, did you uh, grow up wanting to act or, or how did that come about for you? I was born wanting to act. I knew uh. since I that I wanted to act. And um, I, my dad told me I'm the only actress in my entire bloodline. Mm. There's artists and singers and professors and all that good stuff. But I'm literally the only actress and I'm a fourth generation San Franciscan. So it's a long time, but oh, wow. um, yeah. So I just, I'm sure you were probably the same. I mean, I, when I used to watch Sesame Street and, and 
the electric company, I knew I wanted to be inside that little box. I wanted <laughs> so small that they could fit. And so I used to ask, I used to cry to my mom that I'll never be able to be in that box because I'll never be small enough. I mean, that's how long I've known I wanted to be an actress. Okay, that's very interesting because I see very quickly because this is about you, not me. But I grew up with the idea of television because my father had his own live children's television show in Houston, Texas. So I grew up with my father being in the box all day and then coming home after he was in the box. And those weird ideas were in my head also, but I had, had opportunities to go to the studio and uh, see him do the show and, and appear on the show when I was extremely young. So I demystified all that pretty much right away but i think that is such a fascinating thing to think about yeah never small i was always small enough to be in the box so there there, <laughs> there you go yeah it was, it was straight across transition for me but your first you know, role oh sorry but interesting because i i used the words i wanted to be an actress it wasn't that i wanted to be an actress it's that i knew i was an actress and i was going to be yeah. an actress there was no want about it it was a knowledge and a know-how and a like a, a, a knowing, I mean, the fact that it, the option of it not happening was like, a, a not an option to me at three. Well, what, how old were you and what were the steps you took to enter the business? Okay, so when I was six, I invented something because there was that show with the three people behind the table and they, um, they were each there because they invented something. I guess mm -hmm. it was, uh, the 1970s Shark Tank. And so I literally invented something and I told my mom, now I can be on TV, mommy, because uh, I told her what I invented, which by the way, was very, very, very cool and still has invented. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, those are reruns. So that didn't work. And then um, my sister was, uh, she auditioned to be in an opera in San Francisco at the Grand Opera House. And she got the part of the daughter in Verter. And I used to go to her rehearsals and I said to everyone, I want to do what she's doing. And I figured, I don't care what it takes to be on that stage. If I have to sing, I'll sing. If I, whatever I have to do. So they actually asked me to be in the opera that spring. I was eight years old in La Mica Fritz. And I ended up being in 10 operas between the age of eight and 12 at the San Francisco Grand Opera and at the current. I sang, I yelled, I was a bear in one of them. I worked <laughs> Pavrotti and, and Placido Domingo and the greats, the absolute greats were like family friends coming over for pasta. And um, my mom got me a, an appointment with Ann Brebner, the San Francisco agent. And um, I got my first commercial I auditioned for, which was a national uh, Honda commercial. And it won a Clio, which I had no idea what that even meant. And um, then I was also with a modeling agency called Gourmet. So I used to be the girl like in the newspaper ads, um, JCPenney catalogs, all I, I was, I, I still have oh. some favorite clippings like in all the time. And this agent took my mom and I to Los Angeles to meet on generals with different casting directors. And one of them was Tony Howard, who was casting Family, the show with mm -hmm. Seda Dixon and uh, Chrissy McNichol and James Broderick and Quinn Cummins. And 
she liked me and a few months later called to see if I would fly to Los Angeles to audition for a part on the show. So my mom and I flew there and I did the audition and I love cold readings. I did a cold reading and uh, she came out and she said, she said, um, it was Lynn Stil um, Stallmaster, you know, you mm -hmm. know, the, oh, and yeah. yeah, huge. And she's, and there was like 25 or 30 little perfect girls waiting to audition with their moms. I mean, they were like pros, children pros. And she came out and she goes, Barbara, Claudia did a very good audition. She's got the part, but I still have all those girls to audition. So you go in the other room and I'll talk to you in an hour. <laughs> well, that's an amazing way to, you know, to get started. And it was such a hugely popular show. Um, what was it like to have your first appearance be on something that, you know, so many people watched every week? I was just excited to be able to look at Christy McNichol across the <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was like, oh my, because I thought she was one of the greatest actresses on the planet. And I remember Bad News Bears and, and the whole thing. I didn't know much about the TV show. And um, I mean, for me, it was just really fun. And when <laughs> on purpose, I used to go to school wearing the same outfit that I was on TV on the night before in case anyone might notice. Oh my gosh. I don't Right. You were you were eating up the scenery from day one then. Oh yeah, and then they called another episode, and we flew there, and I used all of that as my excuse to talk my mother into moving to Los Angeles in between elementary school and high school. Wow! And people on set were like, "Barbara, she's got to be she's got to be here." And my mom used to say, "Oh, flying from San Francisco is just like as if we were driving from the valley," and they were like, "No, Barbara, it's not. It's actually quite different." And I. I talked my mom into moving here. And after the eighth grade, I had gotten into the hardest um, college prep high school in San Francisco, but I still convinced my mom, let's move to LA. And knowing nobody, we did. Wow. Mm. In June of 80, 1980. Wow, did, that's amazing. Did you, did you hang out with Christy McNichol at all? Did you get to know her at all? No, but I hung out with Quinn Cummins. In oh. fact, she and her mom were the only people we actually had their phone number and knew. So I used to hang out with her. They were our only like LA friends ever. That and wow. then my mom and I used to go to the polo lounge for lunch all the time. And my mom used to say, Well, you know, Claudia, it's just as if we were going to the grocery store. It's the same amount of money. And it was like $28 for us to have whatever we wanted at the polo lounge for lunch. And then we stayed at my best friend Leona Mitchell, who is a diva opera singer. We stayed at her then boyfriend, future husband, um, his apartment in Westwood. And uh, we found an apartment in Beverly Hills so I could go to high school free. And we interviewed agents all summer wow. because we thought that we choose what agent we want to represent us or me. And so we would walk into these adult acting agencies and I would sit there and interview the agents and, and see if I wanted them to be my agent. And no one was different. So each one of them wanted me and would take us to dinner and different things. My mom said, this is called whining and dining right now. And it never occurred to me that everyone doesn't experience that. And we chose SCE, which was an adult agency. Um, they represented Lauren Bacall and I got a pilot within a year. Wow. 
In fact, Stratfors was one of, that was my first guest starring role, big role in an episodic. And Strikeforce is where I last saw Ike because yeah. he played my brother, my little brother, even though you were like a zillion years older than me at the time, because I was just, I think, 14. You were like 16. Yeah. And, um, and his character, it was the Robert Stacks show. And the same thing happened where there was a ton of perfect girls auditioning. And I went in and um, had the crying scene, holding the gun. And they, um, and then the casting director picked it me up because they said, well, do you think Robert's gonna be able to carry her? And he said, well, I don't know, let's try. And he picked it up and he's like, I think, yeah, yeah, I think you could. And they're like, okay, thanks, good audition. And I left and I got the part and, um, I played my older brother who was a drug dealer of acid and he took little that had acid in them and he he took some and then he went on a freeway overpass and he thought he was going to fly and he jumped off. Do you remember? I I swear I barely remember doing that show and you're bringing it all back to me thankfully. I appreciate <laughs> it so much, but it's like with as many things I've done that I remember in great detail I don't remember that one. And then when I heard from, because Patrick Laberto connected us, you know, to, yeah. to, to, to have you, um, you know, be a part of our show. And all of a sudden he tells me on the phone, well, yeah, Claudia just ran down the fact that you guys work together on strike force and blah, 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 blah. And I thought, Oh my goodness. I don't remember. I barely remember that, but yeah, it was a crazy episode. Well, I'll tell you why I remember. I remember because all I heard was, I guys, he's this really really superb actor he works all the time oh you're so lucky you get to work with Ike Eisman and I was like oh so I, yeah and um, and you were like this grown-up actor and of course you were brilliant and I had to call my pediatrician in San Francisco to find out what happens when someone does drugs because I had never done drugs so I needed to know, like the mannerisms and and physicality and um and Strike Force was with Dorian Harewood, Robert Stack, and that really nice lady. We became friends with them, and mm. um, I was one of, that. That was one of my three or four favorite parts I've ever had. Wow. Okay, that's and awesome. And you should know. I don't know if you're an actor or not, but when we were doing guest starring roles, a guest starring role meant you're in 45 minutes of the show. It yeah. didn't mean you. Line. like nowadays guest starring is if you have more than two words i guess but when we acted if you've got a guest starring role you're like in almost every scene right yeah exactly oh yeah yeah well for sure i i don't even remember how they 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 credited you know the um i don't want to say lesser performers the performers were smaller parts of the characters were smaller parts back then but yeah guest starring role that was like you you were with the leads you know the, right. pretty much the entire time so and definitely. the other people featured yeah there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, you you had like we all did several like near casting misses and high profile movies like Gremlins and Goonies and Young Sherlock Holmes. Were you aware at the time that you were one of the finalists as far as those uh, parts were concerned? I was, and and also Adventures in Babysitting was down to Elizabeth Shue oh, and me wow. and Phoebe. Oh. Kate. And Valerie Landsberg, no, Valerie Bertinelli, oh Eddie Van Wow. <laughs> and 
was looking at something yesterday. A friend of mine texted me that he has 100,000 followers, um, kids from the 80s. And he was doing a Zoom on his like collection. And there was a, a VH, v, VHS of Lost Boys. Another I screen tested for that one. Labyrinth oh. down to me and Jennifer Conley. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. And the new, uh, the most recent, uh, what do you call it? Four Blu-ray four you know all those technical things the most recent labyrinth that came out an the anniversary the 4k that's well, it yeah yeah. Okay, yeah yeah um it says lost auditions my audition scenes on it because they oh, they got wow. the manager to ask permission oh that's, that's fantastic <laughs> yeah i mean uh, i could i was doing a i did an appearance a couple weeks uh I guess two weeks ago on the East Coast and just for fun with one of the fans, she was like, I love 80s movies. I said, let me make you a list of every movie <laughs> you get and go see those because they're probably some of the best movies of the 80s. And it was like a full page list of movies I had screen tested for. Flight of the Navigator was down to me and Sarah Parker. Well, when you when you get when you get so close, are you able to like go and watch them afterwards? Or are you like too like no, I don't want to see this. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I skip them. I totally skip them. Um, and then it's interesting because when I don't get a part, I used to get so I used to take it so hard, mm -hmm. and then regret that I had taken it so hard because a couple of weeks later I'd get something else, and I think why'd you put yourself through such agony, and not just trust. And, and literally, if I had gotten Gremlins or Goonies or Young Sherlock Holmes, then probably wouldn't have gotten Back to the Future because mm -hmm. it was all the same company. And if given my options today of any 80s film, yeah. I said to Goldie the other day, you know, Don Fulilove, I call him Goldie. He mm -hmm. played Mayor Wilson. I said, we like, we like got the golden ticket. Mm -hmm. We literally struck um, lightning with being able to be in that movie. For sure. Absolutely. And Don Fulalove is an old friend of mine. So next time you talk oh, to him, did? say hi. Yes, we used to work in ADR together for many years. Yeah. Is that was that a yacht and then a couple of airplanes and beautiful <laughs> corner house? I was actually going to reach out to him for uh, <laughs> to come on me at one point. So. Oh, I was texting with him an hour ago. Oh, wow. Like, well, well you, you were offered the part in Back to the Future before having to like not take it. I mean, can you, can you just also walk us through the audition process for that? Well, it's interesting. I only had one audition. Mm -hmm. And when I walked into Amblin, it was Steven Spielberg, um, um, Fenton Feinberg. It was uh, all of the casting people, Bob Zemeckis, Bob Gale, Neil Canton, um, Kathy, the two kings of Amblin, Kathleen Kennedy mm -hmm. and the guy. Um, so there's like 14 people in there and a cameraman. And a guy auditioning for uh, Marty on his 11th callback. 11th oh. callback. Oh my God. Can you imagine? And my first, not even callback, my first audition. And in fact, the scene I did was the... Um, Back, was in the car, the Leah Thompson Marty scene where she's drinking and smoking. That was my mm. audition scene. And I rehearsed with Patrick and his mom, Frankie, was my acting teacher. 
So Patrick Laberto was my Marty. I practiced the scene with before my audition for Steven Spielberg. Wow. How's that <laughs> synchronistic small world? Good grief. I wonder- that he must so um we did the scene a bunch of times and then steven um kicked out the cameraman because he said i can't have a camera filming without me behind it and the guy was like really i'm I'm really you're telling me to leave and he goes yeah yeah there's the door and he kicked him out and then he went behind the camera and most of the audition was steven's favorite asking me questions and every answer I gave him was after I said, you have to promise me you're not telling my mom. You have to promise. And then I'd look at everyone, you have to promise. And they all promised. And then I'd answer whatever the question was. And then at the end, Stephen goes, oh no, the camera's been rolling this whole time. What are we going to do? I said, don't show it to anybody. <laughs> now, <laughs> love to see it. But um so I was in there probably a couple hours. It was super fun. The guy never really said much of anything except for his lines. He was never asked any questions. And he actually ended up um, playing the drummer in, in, of the Pinheads, the band scene. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of cool. And I got the part. I found out a couple weeks later. And then a pilot I had done with Ed Asner and Eileen Brennan. And actually, before he was a superstar, Dennis Haysbert. Uh, the previous spring got picked up to be a, a mid-season replacement and it, it was a three camera show in front of a live audience which was always fun and it was so it was set to be at the same time as jennifer parker in back to the future same filming dates as uh. series dates and um steven spielberg was trying to get abc to share me and the the producers wouldn't do it they they i was they were my first contract and they weren't going to release me and they weren't going to share me and ed asner would be there and he'd go guys let her do a spielberg movie what do you want her eat bagels all day because you know it's fake <laughs> when you get three camera oh, you yeah. rehearse, hang out you leave at three and then one night you work till midnight on friday so um so I had to be released and my mom came into the living room one day and she goes, okay, it's official. You've been released. Um, so now we're okay with this series and we're not in trouble anymore. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And I never really had a um, bad feeling about it mm-hmm. at all. It was an interesting thing. Then my um, major competitor, Melora Hardin got my part, which was almost funny because so many parts got down to her and me. We would literally take turns. All right, you got the last one. This one's my turn. Oh, I got this her turn next time. I'm always. So uh, she got it. And then I finished my six shows. They released or let go of Eric. And that was a big secret for like 25 years. And then they hired Marty, Michael, who, who was their original first choice. And Melora's 5'7". And I'm five, three and a half. And Michael's five, four. And they were asking the women on set, do you think it's okay to have Marty's girlfriend so tall? And they didn't think so. And so fortunately, unfortunately, Melora was like going, I was hired. <laughs> well, when, when they called you again to tell you that, you know, if you'd like to part again, how surprised were you at that time? Just, you know, because they had already started filming. 
you know what's interesting? I find it fast. I was not at all surprised. And I realized that when my mother walked into the living room and said, you're released, and I was sitting on that couch feeling so peaceful about it all, it's almost like some premonition in me knew it was all going to work out no matter what anyway. Hmm. I got it and I was so excited, but I wasn't surprised. It wasn't like a shocker. It was like, a, okay, this is making sense. Hmm. Yeah, that it's so interesting because <clears throat> it is, is, of course, one of the, I don't know, most amazing Hollywood stories for me, having learned about the, the, you know, the origin and Eric Stoltz starting in the role and all of that. And you, you had known Eric Stoltz though. Did you, had you heard anything about things not working out during the original shooting? Cause I still no. think it's an incredible story. No, I took acting class with Eric when he first came to LA from Santa Barbara and he had long red hair and we were in Stella Adler's master class at mm. what post playhouse on um santa monica and which gregory harrison opened which is funny because i guess start on his show too mm. but um but that's another story um <laughs> they had eric and i meet up at a like one of the hollywood parties so that we could sort of form a a, a deeper friendship and he used to call me and ask my mom to put Jennifer on the phone. And my mom would be, Jennifer lives in San Francisco. My sister's name is Jennifer. Oh, okay. I'm at Jennifer's <laughs> house right now. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's funny that I got to be Jennifer. And um, he and I did pictures uh, at the back lot, which I still have, um, that were supposed to be in Marty's wallet. Huh. And I, um, I haven't seen him since, but he's one of the most brilliant actors on the planet, for sure. And how, and he's um, thrived since mm -hmm. then in such a, 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 a elegant way. I mean, that's a rough experience. Sure. Oh, 100%. I mean, 100%. Well, how did the, you coming in late to the party? I mean, how did the rest of the cast treat you? Uh, you know, coming in so late to everything. We with um, Jennifer Parker yet, so it was normal. It was just like coming in and doing a role. I was not like the second anything. They had never shot a single second with Jennifer until mm. I. Wow, and so how? But how intense was it? So, but they had shot with Eric. So Michael Michael J. Fox came in late. How intense was the shooting to try to play catch up with everything? Uh, for them, it was intense. But when I came on, um, it wasn't. It was just normal. And for me, it was astounding how slow the process was. I was used to 10 pages a day in television. You know, they do like half a page a day, all day in wow. film. Yeah. And I kept thinking, gosh, what should I be doing right now? I mean, am I supposed to be like reading a book? Am I supposed to be exercising like what am I supposed to be doing other than wait it was really an interesting experience because I really was so accustomed to one take wells and um you know getting a <laughs> I had the same reputation I <laughs> Don't you love that like a thing yeah yeah I actually got a I I, I oh good god this is a di digression but I got a part on fantasy island when I was 17, when I was 17, and they wanted to hire an 18 year old because of, you know, the school and the, right, you know, right. the longer working hours. And I ended up promising them that I would do all my scenes, all my shots in one take. 
so I wouldn't waste their time. And the producers actually took me up on it and I did exactly that so I could do the part. <laughs> but it's so like, awesome. I, lo I loved having that reputation. It was really fun. Me too. <laughs> I love that. I totally love that. You know, Michael J. Fox was already huge at the time because of family ties. What was it? What was it like, you know, working with him on the film? Fun. He was darling. He was just a really, you want to hear something funny? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. My, oops. oops. Drop the phone. My little brother, can you still see me? There I am. Yeah. My yeah. little brother in the series Off the Rack, his nickname was Bumper. His sister played Michael J. Fox's little sister in Family Ties. Oh, wow. Ah, uh, okay. What are the chances of that? Literally, a wow. series both being filmed at the same time. Wow. And my little brother's sister is <laughs> Michael's little sister. What is mm. the chance of that? <laughs> anyway, um, it was fun. Michael was fabulous. Um, I thought he was a cutie patootie. <laughs> and I was playing myself. <laughs> so it went pretty well. How about some of the others in the cast? Can you mention, like, just give them a little, like Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Thomas okay, Wilson? I never met Leah until um, 15 years ago. I didn't meet Goldie until the 20, 20th um, anniversary party of the movie. Oh, Right? And Chris, I can't even believe it. I forgot that he was my favorite role. I didn't catch that he was my favorite role on Taxi till like 20 years later. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, because I, I didn't know him by name, Christopher Lloyd. And he looked, I only saw him in makeup. So like how he looks now, is younger than how he looked every day on set that I saw him. So when I first saw him without makeup, I was like, wow, you're young. Mm. And um, he was very shy and he was very quiet. We sat next to each other in the garage in like little chairs. And he's such a cool guy. He doesn't say anything unless he wants to. There's no such thing as talking for talking's sake with Chris at all. So when he talks, it's like H&R Block. You want to listen because it's just so, it's so cool. It's, it's like an honor because he doesn't say anything unless he feels like it. Mm. He's really cool. He's really cool. And he's incredibly smart and um, as down to earth as we are. I mean, he's, he's just a genius. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've met him a couple times and I found that that same thing, even the brief period of time I had that I spent with him was the same kind of experience. And right. truly, I'm a huge fan of his huge, huge fan. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I won't uh, I won't throw it smack down with you over that. Um, well, I just want to ask about the, uh, Wendy Jo Sperber, the late <gasps> Wendy. Wendy, I love mm. Wendy. I knew Wendy after, again, um, years later, because she had a concern, um, the cancer, um, what was it called? Um, she, she, it still runs, the cancer charity. I can't remember what her charity was called that she started um, to help people with cancer. It was a si similarly 
to the to what Gilda Radner started, which my mom and I were a part of when my mom had cancer. Um, and I used to go to her her um, benefits, her charity benefits, and she was just fabulous. And and her spot was and is, I guess it's still there, a couple miles from my store. So we were also neighbors. Mm-hmm. And um, gosh, I I met her. I met her mom she was great she was just great i it's hard you know it's it's hard to believe when people aren't alive anymore yeah i was just thinking they have two exes that aren't alive anymore it's like it's just so strange it's so it's like i mean i don't even ever take anyone out her number is probably still in my phone Mm. because i just great great actress joke yeah 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 no for sure what'd you say oh great oh my god bosom buddies Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, for sure. She was I, just I, so nice. Yeah, I, I, I loved her. I loved her too. So there are so many great stories of Gail and Zemeckis getting frustrated with Crispin Glover's choices. Did you see any of that going on? Or <laughs> I'll tell you, I went to high school with Crispin Glover. Oh. And we the drama department together. He was best friends with Nicholas Coppola. Uh, dot 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 Nicholas Cage and um Crispin was sort of like a very interesting kind of nervous kind of unusual guy mm-hmm. so Bob Gale says that the hardest part of filming was making him, you know, Mr. Joe Cool. <laughs> Crispin is 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 a brilliant actor. I never did a play with him, but we we were in like I was a drama groupie. He was a drama groupie. In fact, I I was in line. You know how you um, stand in line sometimes for the wristband for parties, like like at what's his name's house the. Um, Hugh Hefner's house, you have to stand in line and then you get your wristband and then you get in bus to go. I, I, I never I never got invited, so I can't <laughs> say that I have any recollection of that, but thanks for, you know, well, making me feel, one of my making me feel great. I, I was standing <laughs> in to get my wristband and I hear this voice behind me and I'm like, Crispin? And I turn around and it was him and I go, Crispin, it's Claudia Wells from Drama Department, Beverly Hills High School. He's like, Claudia, I said, oh, and we were in the movie together. (laughs) (laughs) That was definitely my second thought, but um, I don't know. I don't have any personal experience of filming with him. I just know that he's a genius actor. I mean, my gosh, how great was he in that scene where he's watching television and he goes, ha, ha, ha. That laugh he does when Joey's in the crib. (laughs) No, he's one of the most unique actors we we have out there period i mean i remember the first time i saw him in anything was i i don't think i don't know if it was his first thing or not but at close range with uh sean penn and christopher walken and he hardly said anything in the film and he was the most interesting actor to watch that's just how he was from 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 day one so fascinating yeah yeah, yeah. and actually he worked with bob zemeckis again hmm. wasn't um wasn't bob the producer of that hot tub Hot tub time machine. Yeah. 
He was great in that. I don't know if he was. I have to look that up, but he was great in that. I was thinking. I'm that. pretty sure he's done a movie with Bob since that um, since Back to the Future. Bob's the mm. not Gail. Right. I love mm. Bob Gail. I'm his biggest fan on the whole planet. Mm. <laughs> I really am. Well, the, I, I've heard you say that no one knew it would go on, become the phenomenon that it did. But what was the environment like on set? Did you, did you feel like it was at least, you know, like a special movie? Yes, it was a perfectly specifically done movie. And I remember, I, I, I might have the numbers wrong. Maybe he said 3 million, but I thought I heard 300,000 where Michael said, okay, if the movie makes, maybe he said 3 million. I thought it was 300,000. If the movie makes 300,000, I get that truck, the four by four. Because uh. back then, I 300,000 was a whole lot of money. He might've said 3 million. It wasn't more than that. And um, so I was just enraptured with the idea of being in a Steven Spielberg movie mm. and terrified at the same time that my thighs were going to be 20 feet tall. Because <laughs> it's, you know, gotta be skinny. And um, I was also used to television. So I figured, because I was always so hard on myself. So I figured if I did a bad job on television, Worst case scenario, it's over in an hour. And mm. then I thought, if I'm if I do a bad job in this, it's on noon, two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, all over the country. I didn't even think about all over the world. So if I was bad, I'd be bad all day long. <laughs> well, what was the mechanism like? That my brain goes when I was. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. <laughs> How about Zemeckis? What was he like as a director? very specific, awesome. very detailed. Like that scene uh, where Marty and I are walking and then the Goldie van goes by in the clock tower scene area. I mean, he had the aerobics people dancing perfectly and the, this thing happening and the, this thing happening and the, this thing happening all exactly how he wanted it. He was a very, he, you know, he just knew, he just knew. He was just very, very specific. And not in terms of how to play a part, but in terms of where you're looking. Like, look at the clock, look at the lady, look at each other, look at the lady. And if you notice in the movie, there's a lot of times where Michael and, and Chris are like, they do these looks or he and I do these looks. All of that was, was directed. Oh. Yeah, it feels very choreographed that way. I mean, there's there's something there's there. It, now that you mentioned that, I'm thinking about it and thinking, you know, I I kind of noticed that there was a style to all the reactions that is interesting to hear that that's right out of uh, Zemeckis. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Well, how much how much how much um, involvement did Spielberg have during the course of shooting? Uh, I saw him once. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> Goldie saw him at his audition. Uh, yeah, that was it. <laughs> okay. And the, the, movie, the movie ends famously with like Jennifer and Marty getting to the DeLorean and heading to the future. Was there any sort of a, a sequel at that point or just that was a total throwaway joke? Well, my mom went, there's going to be a sequel. You know who was my, my date for the premiere? I... Ike, where'd he go? 
right. Oh, am I gone? Yeah, we don't see you. Oh Wait. yeah, I'm still oh, here. Oh, there you are. Yes. <laughs> okay. Guess who my if I, I now I can see you at the same time. I'm so technical. Uh, I thought you were telling me my... I was your date and I no, didn't no, no, remember. No. That's I even worse. Yeah. Who yeah. was my date? Who was my date to the premiere? July third, nineteen eighty-five, at the Abco Theater in Westwood. Patrick Laberto. Oh, 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 that's fantastic. <laughs> and he said to me after, he's like, Claudia, did you have to squeeze my hand that tight? You got <laughs> so scared. Um, I forgot the question. What was the question? No, it was, what, did you have any idea that it was going to be? Oh, 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 no. Um, no, but then you know what I found recently in my mom, God bless her soul, she saved everything. I found a, a, a letter, a typewritten letter from Bob Gale saying, I hope you enjoy these pictures, but keep them because we might need them for the sequel. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. I think those were pictures of me because I still have them um, that were originally meant to be in Marty's wallet, which were my school pictures. Mm -hmm. And there's like one, it's just like school pictures. So there's one and then that perforated line and three smaller ones. And I've got like eight of them. So I might sell those for $75,000 like, <laughs> like Mr. Tom Wilson did with his VHS. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Why not? Why? Yeah. <laughs> so the movie comes out and it starts doing phenomenally. Did you and everyone else start to think this is going to change everything for you guys? No, I didn't because hmm. uh, I was used to getting people walking up even when I was in high school and I'd be at lunch with a friend. People would come up to me and ask for my autographs. So that was kind of already something I was accustomed to. Oh. Or I'd be walking and all of a sudden, you know, that photographer, I can't remember his name. He was everywhere. He'd show up and then these other photographers, Claudia, Miss Wells, Miss Wells. And they'd take pictures of me. So I was already accustomed to that kind of thing from being in so much television. Um, my favorite part about the movie coming out is I used to call the movie theaters in Westwood and I'd say to my girlfriends, they'd be like, watch this. And I'd say, this is Claudia Wells. I'm in Back to the Future that's playing at the Avco. And my girlfriends and I would like to come see your movie, but could we come in the back way, please? And we'd get in for free. <laughs> oh, you are too much. You're too much. That's that's fantastic i would have never thought of doing anything like wow that. oh no that was the biggest that was my idea of we've hit the big time ladies there and there you go exactly exactly in a tv series relatively quickly after that called fast times from the movie fast times original playing pb kate's part linda barrett yeah Oh, you know, when you're on set, the whole wide world doesn't exist. Nothing exists except for where you are and what you're doing. Like the whole world is closed off. So I kind of missed my mom cut out newspaper clippings. I've still got them. Sorry. <laughs> Voicemail. I'm on my iPhone. Um, she saved all the newspaper clippings of how much money it was making. And I even have the newspaper clipping of June 17th, sneak preview of Back to the Future that premieres on July 3rd. So another $75,000, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, anyway, no, I had no clue. In fact, I really didn't 
get it until about 15 years ago. Oh, wow. When I started the appearances and saw the response. The only thing that kind of gave me a really big hint was I was in Banff once and I was I had goggles on and my skis and my ski jacket and someone was standing like 10 feet away and they go, oh, Jennifer Parker. And I'm like, how the heck did you know that? Of course I knew that. Or I'd be at my store and people would walk in and go, I know those eyes. <laughs> Parker and I'd be like who told you I was sure that like someone had said by the way that's Jen but um they're like no I just recognize you and I'm like wow you're amazing mm. it's only you know now uh, now I see the extraordinary amazing abundant love for everything back to the future worldwide and it's generational there is not a missing generation it's grandparents parents kids toddlers and this they have this it's the same kind of enraptured love for the film and they say oh they you know it's a perfect movie um i saw it with my on my first date now we're married i took my son to see it um the day I told him that I was going to divorce his mom so that he could have a good experience. I mean, everyone has like some sort of a story about mm. when they saw Back to the Future. Mm. I met a woman who's a, um, a rocket scientist because she was so enthralled with Christopher Lloyd's character. I got a, a letter from someone who thanked me for his life because he was going to commit suicide he had such a horrible family experience and he decided to try watching the movie and he played it every night and he said we were his family and he sent me a handwritten nine page letter i was just telling goldie the other day when he was like 23 and i sent it to bob gale um i mean I, people have tattooed my handwriting on their chest their neck the arm not just boys but a girl too it's just mm. It's, it's, a, it's a universal family of love and kindness and sincerity and uh, loyalty and friendship. It really is. I feel like I, I mean, I read every single comment that people write on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, mostly Facebook and Instagram. I literally read every single one and I'll just sit there smiling. And if someone's mean, they get deleted. <laughs> You're, you're very active on there. I follow you on Facebook as well. You do? Right? Yes, yes. But it's very few mean people. It's like maybe one every now and again. And I'm like, report, <laughs> block, delete. Well, just, just to veer off Back to the Future for a moment, I, I you were the same year that the movie came out. You were in the uh, anti-drug video, Stop the Madness. Yes, no one talked about that. <laughs> but it was put together by the Reagan administration. Uh, it had David Hasselhoff, Whitney Houston, Arnold Schwarzenegger, new edition. I was watching it this past week and also among many others. How did you become involved with that? Okay. I starred in Strike Force. And <laughs> wait, was it Strike Force? No, no, no. No, no, no. Simon and Simon. I guess starred on Simon and Simon. And it was a similar drug addict type, nice girl turned drug addict role. And again, one of my very favorite roles I've ever had. And um Tim Reed was one of the regulars. He was one of the stars. His wife, Max Seen Reed, ended up playing Will Smith's mom in 
um, that whole. We interviewed her actually. Yes. Cool, right? <laughs> so he was involved in in something called Entertainment Industry Council. So it was actually not the Reagans that put this together. It was the Entertainment Industry Council's first video, and I'm still involved with them. And now they also have something called Science Entertainment Technology, and they're extraordinary. And Timothy Reed recommended me because I just got guest start on his series as a drug addict or nice girl turned drug addict. And this is a drug addict turned nice girl. And in fact, one of the scenes where I'm in the corner all in black like this was filmed in the same church that the Enchantment Under the Sea dance was filmed at. And it was six months earlier. And I hadn't even auditioned yet for Back to the Future. Hmm. How deep is that? incredible <laughs> it's not amazing wow. and um and it was funny too because arnold schwarzenegger played the garbage man when boogaloo shrimp and i threw away my drugs and i met or i ended up dating his best friend two years later and i met him at this private screening i'm like i know you <laughs> oh god well so now I'm assuming that you didn't actually get the chance to meet the Reagans during this. I during did, I did, I did. Oh, you did? Oh my God. Yeah. Okay, so Ronald Reagan was busy. He wanted to meet us, but he was occupied. Um, but Nancy Reagan, we went to the White House to film wow. and we sang a song and I stood next to her. She has like a, a bar had like a baritone singing voice and um, we sang Stop the Madness. And I was wearing this really pretty little white dress and I was asking like where's the dressing room because I had to change into it uh we don't have a dressing room I said well where am I supposed to change clothes and they said oh I went into the formal dining room of the White House and my mom held up a coat and I changed my clothes in the corner oh my god <laughs> is that the best yeah and then I became friends with Ronald Reagan's uh top executive secretary this really nice man who he's the one who came and said that unfortunately the president won't be able to come meet you but he sends his regards i was like can we just like can you show me around and he said yes wow. so he's like held my hand and he's taking me through all these different little offices and i was like can i get that pad of paper sure sure you can and then he's he i said can you ask the president to send my mom a birthday card? Sure, when's her birthday? And she got a birthday card from Ronald and uh. his wife. <laughs> and then really strangely, I was driving, okay, years and years and years forward. I'm driving my son to school. And you know when the police do that sweep thing on the freeway to stop traffic? Yep. They started doing that sweep thing. And then I started noticing like, motorcycle cops blocking every entrance and i'm like sonny what do you think's going on oh and somehow some way we ended up the first car and we were listening on the radio we were the very first car behind ronald reagan's body that was being driven to its final resting pl oh. place at the ronald reagan library in simi valley wow what are the chances sure <laughs> That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. I've never told anyone but friends that. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no, I was at the White House. And then um, actually, years and years later, um, I was invited to have items put into the Orion Space Shuttle. 
from Cape Canaveral in 2014 because Entertainment Industry Council, which I was still a part of, was given space in the capsule. And they invited me to put stuff in. And I was like, wow. So I put, um, I sent them a little DeLorean that I signed, which they ended up not using because they were afraid of this, if the capsule blew up, I'd lose my car. So they didn't put that in. <laughs> you, you can't make this stuff up, right? No, that's fantastic. So I put uh, a, a, um, a clock tower t-shirt, which by the way, I invented, even though I'm not allowed to sell anymore because it was copycatted, but whatever. Um, and I put a picture of my dad and I, and I put a signed picture of Marty and me. And um, I was invited to the launch, which I went to with all of the rocket scientists and the, the, the guy who shares an office with the attorney general or maybe it was the attorney general. I don't know, these really, these guys with lots and lots and lots of stripes on their uniforms. And it was a two day thing because the first day it was scrubbed. And then the second day it actually launched and it landed in Baja, Mexico, 24 hours later. And it was an, a capsule just filled with things. And it was to um, practice for the capsule. They were, for the shuttle they were building to go to Mars with astronauts, mm. which was supposed to be done a year later. And the next morning I ended up having breakfast with the rocket scientist who was building the engine for the, he built the engine for the Orion capsule. He taught me it's a capsule, not a shuttle. And he was building an engine for the one that was supposed to go to Mars with the astronauts. And I met him because at the end of everything, everyone's leaving. And they had this beautiful buffet and there was these big chocolate chip cookies. And I'm like, Ooh, I need, I, I got to take some cookies before I go. And I'm reaching for the cookies. And there's this guy across from me. He goes, they're really good. Aren't they? I said, I know, aren't they so good? And he goes, what's your name? And I'm like, what's your name? And he said, um, I got to show these people around later. So, um, do you want to have breakfast tomorrow? And I said, sure. And that, it turns out it's him. And then we were text friends. It wasn't a date or anything. He's, it wasn't, it was just friendship. And uh, we were text friends for a long time after that. And he would call me and say, Claudia, I'm so sorry. I didn't return your text right away. I, um, we had just gotten something today and it was a really important part of the engine. And I just had to, you know, test it out and put it in. I'm like, you do realize you don't have to apologize for not returning a text right away when you're like changing the whole world, right? He's like, no, I just, I'm sorry. I thought, wow. Oh. <laughs> it's funny, my stories take bunny trails into never, never, That's great. but every word is fact. Now, no, you, we love you it. Mentioned, yeah, you had mentioned the, that you were on Fast Times and we, we had someone else from that show, Dean Cameron on. Oh, Dean, well. he plays yeah. Yo, it was, it was such a great thing talking about that. What, what are some of your memories of that show? You know, it's interesting because um, that was the only show I ever did with other people my age. I was used to being the kid with adults and I was kind of shy when it comes to people my age. I was never shy with adults because I was used to adults. Hmm. But um, so I kind of didn't feel like I was in the popular group. Um, Patrick uh, Dempsey, Mr. Dr. McDreamy was Damone. And Wally Ward, who's now like Wallace Ingham or something, was um, 
Damone's sidekick. I can't remember his name. And um, Stacy was Thorne Smith. I can't think of her first name. Okay. She ended up becoming a superstar on Ally McBeal. And she did the series uh, with um, James Belushi. Courtney, Courtney Thorne. Courtney, Courtney Thorne Smith. And then Ray Walston and Vincent Schiavelli and, um, and Dean, who kind of, Dean kind of, he was too cool. He was so cool that he was like his own entity. But <laughs> I really felt like, and Amy Heckerling and Neil Israel, it was all the original people writing and directing. And um, I don't know. Uh, oh, and, and our reality consultant was Moon Unit Zappa. Oh my and gosh. Ended up playing Barbara. She's so that's her. If you look at the credits, reality consultant, Moon Unit Zappa. And then they gave her an acting part. But I love acting. And anytime the camera is rolling and I'm my character, it's all good. It's all <laughs> wonderful. But outside of that, I, I just, um, I didn't know what to do with myself because I just didn't feel like I was a, a part of with people my age mm -hmm. like they were so cool and then there was me <laughs> even though i'm the cool girl That's so, so interesting. i don't know it, it was interesting it was not it, it wasn't my most favorite job because i i was um off camera wasn't my most favorite job on camera it was super fun yeah truth is Absolutely. truth right yep i get it i get it you do Sometimes. right yeah, oh yeah, completely, completely. Because I was the same way. I was the, I was always the kid on set. Because you know, the being the Disney kid, I wasn't a. I didn't work with a lot of other young performers, and that was not my comfort zone. It was always the grown ups and the adults, a hundred percent. And I, you know, I didn't do anything. At, well, I did some things at that age where I was with other people my age. But I, I, yeah, same kind of thing. But not much. Thing, I, so. Like Herbie the Love Bug, I had two little brothers, or you know, off the rack, I had a little brother, but that doesn't count as like Jason Harvey, um, who became so famous in, uh, what's that series with Brian Cranston? Malcolm in the Middle. He was my little brother in something. And for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> huh. So then Fast Times ends. And um, at what point did you start hearing, you know, in, talk about uh, Back to the Future sequel? Oh, way before that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, way before okay. that. Like six months after the movie came out. Oh, oh all right. Wow. Oh, or less than that. Absolutely, yeah. And I was, I was told that it would basically be Marty and Jennifer going through the future and different experiences together. Hmm. So you, you turned down the role. I mean, they contacted you to do this because your mother was sick at the time. Yeah. Uh, but you, she still wanted you to take the role? She did. She totally did. And I just, uh, I wasn't in a place emotionally to do anything acting. I need, like, I need to be well rested when I'm acting. I need to be, you know, you know, you're using your, your, your emotions and your body and your being to become someone else. So if you yourself aren't all right, then how are you supposed to become someone else and I myself was not all right I've never worded it that way that's exactly the truth I, you you understand right I as an actor oh yeah I wasn't in a place to do it at all so I left yeah. it all 
I loved everything. Mm. And I knew in my heart, one day I'd come back to acting, but I'd come back to acting on my own terms and not under the claws of people. So I have, and I will, and um, I'm not done with my acting. So, I mean, it's all worked out so nicely. I was laughing with someone the other day. I said, I think I'm more famous because I didn't do Back to the Future 2 and 3. And everyone's like, why didn't you do the movie? <laughs> he said, I think you're right. God. Okay. So that's, that's, that's fascinating. And I, no, I, I, I totally, I totally and completely understand that. It was, you know, clearly a very important and, and good choice for you at the time. So you didn't take it. I mean, were you able to, to watch it when it came out or was it just uh, too difficult? It's so funny. Goldie says to me all the time, have you seen the movie? <laughs> because <laughs> I'm, someone said something about needles. What's needles? And he was like, Claudia, needles was a character. Who, and I'm like, oh, it, when? <laughs> he said, you really got to watch these movies. Um, I saw Back to the Future 2 once in uh, Arizona all by myself and I was like this in the theater watching and I'm like oh she's wearing my clothes <laughs> and back to the future I saw once also that's exactly it. It, it was it how difficult is it to see someone else doing your part I mean that's just... well it was interesting because on the one hand I was I was like I know those clothes and then I was also well, this makes sense somehow because I screen tested for adventures and babysitting and I was sure I'd get it and they chose her. So there's got to be something that is considered similar between us, like Elizabeth, like uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and I um, in the morning, babies having babies was between the two of us, which was Martin Sheen's directorial debut. And in the afternoon, Flight of the Navigator was down to the two of us. And she and I didn't look anything alike. And she got, yeah, we made a deal. I made her make a deal. Eye to eye, shake hands. I get one part, you get the other. <laughs> Promise me. And somehow it worked out exactly as I asked. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I wasn't, I was okay with it. I just, there's some level of trust that I've always had that somehow, some way, everything's always going to work out well. And I didn't even know that's a Bible verse because Romans 8, 28 says all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. It doesn't say most things. It doesn't say only the good things. It doesn't say some things I pick and choose. It says all things work together for good to those called according to who love me are called according to my purposes and i feel truly that's what my life is mm. and always has been and because i've had some very low times and some very high times and had i done back to the future two and three i wouldn't have my store that's over 30 years old in studio city which has given me within the first month I realized I had a, a business acumen brain and a, an ability to negotiate that I never would have had had I not done it and um, who knows that I wouldn't I mean I have a son and I don't know you know I guess he would have been born maybe but I think life worked out the way I'm, I'm much stronger and much uh, more forthright and uh, 
clear and comfortable with myself having had my business for all these years and also having the gratitude of knowing what it is not to have. Mm-hmm. Well, what prompted the idea for Armani Wells? Tell us a little bit more about the store. I think I've been there. I think I have, and I'm not 100% sure, but um, yeah, you said Studio City. Is, is it on Ventura Boulevard? It is between Coldwater and Laurel Canyon on the south I, side of the street between which and I know, I know I've been there. I think you had a promotional event once that somehow I got invited to. It's a Probably. lovely space. Lovely Isn't space. Isn't it? Yeah. It's the yeah, greatest so. store on the planet, actually. Yeah. If you say so myself. Yeah, <laughs> you may. So where did the idea come from? And and Yeah. So I, I, um, I lived in New York for about six months. And when I came back to LA, I didn't want to call my dad unless I had a job because my dad is not the, you just hang out and do life kind of man. He's you do it by the book. You stand in the back of the line, like everybody else. And you don't, don't take a bigger piece of the pie than is yours. That's my dad. And mm. so I thought, Oh, I have to have a job. And I walked into this resale shop that I had gone shopping at. And the guy was like, you should work for me. You're such a good negotiator. And I walked in and I said, remember me? You told me you want me to work for you like six months ago. Why, yes, I do. I said, okay, so I will. And he actually goes, can you start tomorrow? And I said, sure. And he gave me the keys to his store and told me the code, which was 1122. He's so funny. There's the sales book and just sell clothes. And I was like, I could do that. And thank God for him that I'm so honest because there's no yeah. inventory list, there's no cameras and I'd never done it before ever. So he said, well, I go to take the sun and, and have my lunch and then I'll come to you afterwards. And I was like, okay. And so I opened at nine and I'm looking around at all these great clothes and shoes and someone walks in and I start dressing them. And I was like, oh, I'm good at this. And I turned his money from like 8,000 a month to 14,000 a month, my first oh. month there. Mm. And then my, my best girlfriend, Akusha Busia, used to say, she goes, quiet, you can never get fired. And I'm like, why? And she said, because you make him too much money. So I'd be sitting on, at the desk with my feet up, kind of like that. <laughs> and he'd say, move your butt, vacuum. And I say, no, I don't want it, monsieur. And so he'd vacuum. And <laughs> And I'd be like, I, I don't know why I still call him Monsieur to this day. He's French Moroccan. So we used to speak French together and cause I'm fluent. And, and then I'd say like, Monsieur, do you want to, um, me to go get your croissant and a cafe? And he'd be like, yes. I'd say, okay. So that means I get one too. Right. <laughs> I mean, we had so much fun together. We would make a sale together, but if I wrote it down, I knew I got the commission because I decided that was the way it was going to be. And he, I would bring my friends there, like Akusu. I'd bring her there and sell her as much as I could, like at midnight, and then put all the money in the register. It never occurred to me until I had employees that people steal. I was like, mm -hmm. whoa. Oh. Anyway, after a couple months, he used to walk around the store and go, "My, I wish there was something like this for men. I mean, so elegant, beautifully dressed. And I said, well, Monsieur, why don't we open a store together? And he said yes. And then he decided to open one with this Armenian guy, Johnny, who sold suits down the street. I was like, but monsieur, you said you were going to open it with me because all of a sudden I'm thinking now I can have a financial basis to go back to acting. 
because I mm -hmm. never wanted to go back to acting until I was financially secure. I didn't ever want to be desperate or too hungry for a part. And I wanted to be able to turn things down like we used to if it wasn't right for one, one reason or another. And um, he told me I, I would need $5,000 and he would provide like the merchandise, not the, the like stuff, like racks and things and knowledge. And so my dad loaned me, which ended up, he didn't let me pay him back $5,000. And now Monsieur decides he's gonna work with Johnny down the street. And I'm like, so I pouted. I put a newspaper in front of my face and Amy Grauman taught me in the eighth grade, you cross your legs, you look down at your toe and you shake it. And then you go like this. And I did that and I just pouted and I wouldn't speak to him and I wouldn't help customers. And I just sat there for like three days. I still came to work. My darling, what's the matter with you? Why are you so sad? Monsieur, you lied to me. Okay, okay. We can open the store together. And I was like, thanks, Monsieur. Okay. And so he found a spot around the corner of his store. And he's an absolute genius. And, and both of us had terrible credit. Mine because everyone else handled my money and him because it's him. And um, so I said to the landlord, you know, you don't want to check our credit because it's bad, but will you give us a chance? And I was 25. Mm. And the guy said, yes, he's still my landlord today. Oh, wow. I still pay my rent on time and give him a big hug every single month. And it's 30 and a half years later. Wow. So I said to Monsieur, I wanted, my, I wanted this store to be a very elegant, like Italian boutique that people didn't even know was resale until you told them. And Monsieur used to like crowded clothes and I wanted everything dry clean. He's like, you hang it up and the, the wrinkles come out. And I'm like, no, Monsieur, you want it to have it dry clean. No, it's too much money. And so I did everything. I did everything and ran it myself. And he ran his woman's store. And I used to bug him so much because he'd tell me what to do. And I go, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. And I wouldn't do it. I would do exactly what I wanted to do that I thought was right. And we had different, you know, business practices. And so finally, around six months later, I go, Monsieur, I bug you so much. I'm not doing anything you say. I don't agree with anything you're saying. Why don't I just buy you out? Okay. So, I, we made a deal. I'd pay him $300 a week to make up for his like cash register and things that he provided. <laughs> He's so funny. And I never kept track. So like two years later, I'm still paying him $300 a week. Oh <laughs> but I don't care. Every single day, I was so, so grateful to him that I had this amazing, thriving, wonderful, fun business. And I have a, a real um, knowledge of what men deserve. So even though I never really lived with one because my parents were divorced when I was under two and I've never been married, but I know that men are born with a birthright of dignity and power and leadership. And I, I see the burden on men of that's put on them that they don't get credit for. They're the ones who have to ask you out. They're the ones who have to, you know, ask you to marry them. They're the ones that are supposed to be the breadwinners. They're the ones that, you know, are supposed to be the strong one. And I thought no one's giving these guys credit for all the stress that they're under. Not only that, now they open the door for someone and they don't know if they're going to get slapped or yelled at and they're just being chivalrous. So 
I needed them to understand who they are. And I thought I am going to show men who they are in my store, treat them the way they deserve to be treated, dress them in such a way that they can wear the finest, most elegant fabrics in the world and not be that 2% that can afford it, you know, but put them in. And so my price is like 10 to 20% of retail, um, $10,000 suits and, you know, Tom Ford and Brioni and labels that I, I, I had no idea who they, Brunello Cuccinelli, Laura Piana, the best of the best. Mm. And, um, and I, I've, I've turned out I had a knack for dressing men and making them stunning and I can look at someone I've always been this way and I see all the beauty that they don't even know is there and so I get to bring it out in clothing them and and I'm not a computer person to this day and men are wonderful they're so loyal and they remember me and they remember where the store is so I don't have to do like promotions and I believe in word of mouth so I don't have to pay for advertising and I I'm a wonderful hostess because my mother was and my sister and I both and my brother are both very, we're all gracious hostesses. So, um, cause we're raised that way. So when you come to my store, it's like you're coming to my home to a dinner party and that's how you're treated and you're honored. And it's just, be, it just was such a lot. It, it fulfills me as much as acting, which I never thought anything in life would ever fulfill me that much mm. and I, so I, I have two careers that are as fulfilling as each other mm. and now one of the gifts of COVID is that I'm open by appointment only which is healthier but also it means that I don't have to put a sign up saying back in two weeks I'm in L London doing a comic-con so and men are like is she, when is she here <laughs> so now I'm open when you have an appointment and I'm closed other than that that's so awesome. So, like now I'm at my sister's just relaxing. It took me a long time to realize that it's Saturday and I, I can relax and it's okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, I, I'm going home tonight. I have three appointments of shoppers tomorrow. And the next day I go to Las Vegas to be a part of the Barris Jackson auction on Saturday. And then I go home Sunday night and I have filming on the 4th of July of a documentary I'm doing about my friend who's 100 and a dancer. And then Tuesday I have customers and it's my oh. birthday. And then Wednesday I go to London. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. So it's like, it's great. I mean, my availability is Tuesday and July 5th and then I'm That's gone great. for a month. <clears throat> well, you, you had mentioned before with Back to the Future that it's really never gone away. That's, you know, all the fans there I want to ask, what was it like? You know, there were so many things there, like games. I have the board game here, actually. And, you know, you did the video game voice. How surreal was that to go back and revisit the role after so many years? Crazy, insane. It was it was like a dream come true because I got to be Jennifer and it just like all came back to me immediately. And it was all cold readings because they don't really give you a script. And <laughs> Um, Jennifer is like, oh, she's like this tough girl. And she's like, it was like, a, a, it was like, as Claudia, I've lived so much life mm -hmm. since then. Well, apparently Jennifer had too, because she's like <laughs> hardened and tough and dating someone else. And then well, of course, Marty wins at the end. And they're like, could you do this, but just raise your voice a little higher. 
because Jennifer's voice, because now I talk like this and Jennifer talks like, you know, Marty. So it was just super fun. And then I got to hang out with Chris because Christopher Lloyd was Doc Brown. And we're the only two cast members that are in it. Other, and everyone else is, you know, brilliant voiceover actors. Wow. Mm. Yeah. I thought I was going to become a voiceover video game star after that. So anyone out there who does video games and voiceovers? Yes, please. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I tried, but I just figured the phone would ring off sure. the hook. Why not? Of course. Yeah, we all we all do. <laughs> so have you seen the musical? Okay, I'm going to see it July 13th. Get oh. out. Yeah, um, awesome. and I'm going to see it with Goldie. I oh wow! Name sometimes Dawn Full of Love. <laughs> I I call him Goldie, and Jeffrey Weissman who played the dad in two and three, and Francis McCain who played Lorraine's mom in the fifties. Oh, We're awesome. all doing the London Comic Con, and so is Christopher Lloyd. So they've got us coming on Wednesday night, and Bob Gale's going to be there to see mm. the musical, and um, and then the next weekend I'm going to be doing the Southampton Comic Con. And then the next weekend, I'm going to be doing a Comic-Con type event in Granada, Spain. And then the next weekend, I'm going to be doing a charity event in Palma de Mallorca. And then the next uh, day, I'm flying to go visit Monsieur in <laughs> Canada. And I'm going to have a 22-hour layover in Munich to do a little sightseeing on my way. And then I'm going to see Monsieur for the first time in like 15 years. And he's got a three-bedroom apartment. I get my own room, and uh, we're gonna. And he's just great. So we used to do like when we'd go downtown to buy racks or something when we were doing the store. We put the store together in nine days. Wow. We got it December 9th and uh, December eleventh, December 9th. and we opened on December nineteenth, nineteen ninety one, and it was fully furnished, carpeted, painted, racks up, merchandise. And we used to go downtown and go, my darling, we do business and pleasure. And so we'd buy racks and then go have croissant and cafe. <laughs> I'm going to see him. Anyway, well, that's the story of my need, life. You need to do a show in Florida so we can go see you there. Oh, I would love to. I've done shows in Florida. Mm. I'll keep looking out. <laughs> keep your eyes out. Yeah. absolutely I, yeah. and this is how i travel the world it's amazing <laughs> i'm going to be at the malta comic-con at the end of october wow. and i'm going to be at edinburgh monopoly events comic-con at the beginning of october nice. and then manchester a monopoly events comic-con at the beginning of december <laughs> grief well, yeah amazing you mentioned mid-august <laughs> Well, you mentioned some people. Do you keep in touch with anyone else from the cast? Um, Leah Thompson. Oh, I adore her, and I, I, I so you know look up to her for so many reasons. And James Tolkien and I we're like best buddies. Oh, I... I'm his wingman because <laughs> uh, he knows when we travel, I take care of him, and I kind of introduced him to these Comic-Cons and things. He, so we he, call he's me another one that we were gonna reach out to to have on. So. Oh, done, I'll come. Oh, great, that would be great. Oh, no, he, oh, 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 it's so funny because um, on my calendar, when it's someone's birthday, it pops up. So his name popped up with his wife uh, last week or a few days ago. 
last week. And I thought it was his wife, Parmalee's birthday. So I called and I said, I said, hi, Tolkien, it's me. It's your wingman, Claudia. But this message isn't for you, it's for Parmalee. And I sang happy birthday to her. Then I look on Facebook that afternoon and there's all this stuff about James Tolkien, happy birthday, he's turning 91. And I went, oh. so then I called back the next day and I'm like, Jimmy, <laughs> I meant happy belated birthday. <laughs> he's called me back twice. I've missed his calls. But anyway, yeah, he's he's the best. Oh, he, he's great. He's been so many great things, too. Uh, oh, and Jerry mean, Waters Jr. and I are friends. They call oh. me um, Mama Claudia because I, I'm kind of teaching him the ropes of this whole game. I, I want to say you you mentioned that all these families and it, it's so true because I mean my kids adore the movie too. I for the you know thirtieth anniversary I took them we went we went to see it. They had all three in one day and I took my kids to see it. Now we're we're closing in on the fortieth already. Are there do you hear of any special plans for that? Whatever they want. <laughs> I am a big, huge cheerleader for the entire franchise. And yes, sir, what do you want? <laughs> well, that would be, of course, awesome. Um, and Zemeckis and Gail have said that there won't be any sequels or reinventions, but should there be, would you be up for something like that? Oh, yeah, all of us would be. Yeah. But you know what? Which is so great to hear. You know, I mean, so many people is like, no, they want to, no matter how popular it is, they want to, you know, separate, divorce themselves from it. So it's just really lovely to hear that you're all so still. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've done so much television and so many great roles that I love doing. But the truth is, when I go to these shows, people, yeah, they might care a little bit about Herbie the Love Bug or Fast Times, but they care about, let me see Jennifer Parker from Back to the Future. <laughs> Not Linda Barrett, not Julie, not Shannon, you know, whatever other names I had. Um, so, yeah, no, that's an absolute honor and privilege and mm. pure gratitude. So Back to the Future 4, we've got Back to the Future, the musical, Back to the Future, the game, Back to the Future, the Legos, Back to the Future, figurines, Back to the Future, I don't even know what. So... Oh, sorry, send a voicemail. So there's a bunch of, of, of things that could be like, oh, want to hear something funny? Of course. <laughs> yes. So I was at a, a screening of Back to the Future at this theater with uh, Christopher Lloyd and Jeffrey Weissman many years ago. And we did a Q&A afterwards. And the guy who created the Marty and Doc broke Back to the Future video do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> he was in the audience and Christopher Lloyd goes, okay, that was Back to the Future 4. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we'd also mentioned before, you're, you're so good with the fans and I see, I see you respond a lot. So how, how often do they reach out to you? All the time, every day, every night from all over the world. And I'm so grateful and honored and uh, privileged at that opportunity. It's just like, it's, it's, an, it's an extraordinary experience to um, have the ability to bring so much joy to someone so simply. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really 
amazing. I, I love it. I just, I love it. I mean, I give everything I am at every single appearance I do. I'm exhausted after because there is not one second I'm not giving my all to each and every person because I mean, the effort they put into going and showing up at these places and paying to get in and paying for parking and, and taking time off work and flying in or driving 16 hours or, you know, all of it, the love they have and the dedication, they have to be honored. And we, where we wouldn't have these fabulous experiences without them. So anyone who doesn't put them at the top of the list um, it makes no sense to me. Mm. After oh. everything, completely, yeah. Well, Claudia, we, it was we were so looking forward to having you on, and and thank you so much for doing this today. It was such a pleasure to get to talk to you. Such a treat, you know. We're very excited, and you and you were great. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I yes. <laughs> no, thank you for me as well. I was so terrible, very, very, very grateful, and especially when you're like lounging and on vacation. <laughs> It seems like to take your time out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank welcome you. anytime. Thank Again. you. You guys are awesome. God bless you. Thank you. This has been Pop Culture Retro. I'm Jonathan Rosen, along with Ike Eisenman. And again, a very special thanks to Claudia Wells. And please subscribe. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Retro, where no one was hurt during the making of this podcast.